From New Dog Media and Phoenix Fifth, it's the Settle Smarter Podcast. I encourage everyone (laughs) to take responsibility for somebody else's story in that way. It really teaches you so, so much. If you ever feel like a hamster inside of a wheel running a sprint inside of a marathon while balancing on top of a teeter-totter, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Settle Smarter with me, Dana Look Arimoto. Hey everybody, producer Paul here. It's the final episode of season one of Settle Smarter, and I just wanted to thank you personally for joining us this year. Hopefully we presented you with some new ideas and especially some new tools to work with as you meet your challenges in life and work. So once again, please subscribe to the show, share it with friends and coworkers, and as always, give us a shout out if there's something you'd like us to cover or if you have any questions. This season's final guest is Peggy Northrup, a storyteller and champion of women telling their stories. CEO of Watermark. You will love this interview. Take it away, Dana Look Arimoto with Peggy Northrup. Welcome to the wrap-up session of Settle Smarter. It is the end of 2020, and today's guest is someone I consider an incredible human being, woman, and friend. And we're going to open, Peggy, with a quote you shared with me that is a little bit between the eyes. What's your favorite quote to sum up 2020? 2020 gets its own special quote. Mike Tyson said... Everybody has a plan till they get punched in the face, which to me just sums up 2020. Can't wait for it to be over. (laughs) So for this final episode, for our listeners, you're going to take a wild ride today with me and with Peggy, who has had a lot of different roles, has worn a lot of different hats, and we're going to do a little career exploration inside out with her about your own unique ID and how to really be yourself and bring yourself regardless of where you end up, even in a year where you might get punched in the face. Excellent. So let's start with Peggy... Let's go back before we talk about this up, down, all around year of unprecedented everything. What's the first time in your career you feel like you got punched in the face? Well, probably going to a brand new magazine from a newspaper there where I was working on this insane schedule in a daily newspaper. And I went, because I really wanted to be in magazines, and I went to a bi-monthly magazine. A bi-monthly magazine was kind of, I mean, it was really smart people. It won all these awards. It really launched my career. But the I showed up there and I'm used to like fast, 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 because you have to get it out. It's like five o'clock, the paper ships, you got to go. And It was a bi-monthly and everything was like a graduate seminar and you didn't have to actually put something out for six more weeks. And it was, it was really one of those hard adjustments that I was, it felt like hitting a wall. Um, So, I mean, you know, I've had plenty of, you're in media, right? It's like media was like a constant pummeling for about 10 years. It really was. It was like all I did, I felt like all I did was fire people. Um, 
I was at Reader's Digest as the global editor-in-chief. I went through bankruptcy with them, which was, you know, now I think back on it and think, wow, how many things did I learn from that? How much did I learn that I didn't want to have to deal with ever again? But it was really an incredible experience. Um, but, you know, it was it was media media is just kind of media is kind of like that you know it's just one of those things where you feel like like you're constantly being pummeled but you learn this unbelievable adaptability and you get a little bit addicted to the ups and downs and that becomes part of your superpower it's like oh i can handle i can kind of handle this Oh, she went there on Superpower. (laughs) It's so good. So we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about after down comes up, sort of the natural progression of what happens after the low. You kind of come back into the upswing. And if we allow that to happen by default versus design, after all those punches in the face, what happens to the way you feel about yourself and really the way you operate, being your true authentic self? What happens? Well, I think, you know, it's an interesting question because I haven't usually thought of it that way. But now that I have so many decades to look back on, and you were the one who asked me this question, it's like, why did you take that job? (laughs) And part of it is because you look at the challenges and you look at the things that are true about a situation and you think, what can I change about this? And that's what my career was really all about from the very beginning. And thinking about, you know, just the the pace of newspapers. And it's like, what are you trying to do every day? You're trying to tell a story that is true. You're trying to tell a story that makes people think. And if you apply that lens to almost anything, it also applies to yourself. It's like, what is the story I'm trying to tell myself and others by taking on this particular challenge? And that's always been the through line for me, I think. So you mentioned storytelling and our listeners don't know you the way I do. And so I want you to go there. I want you to explain how storytelling affects ourselves. We think about it so often as in the audience, the listeners, the readers are affected by the story. How does it affect the storyteller, Peggy? Well, um, I think one of the things it does, and, and, and I'm not sure I've even shared this with you, I went through this incredible experience of becoming a certified story exchange facilitator, which um, was, you know, again, a deepening. I was at the time I was working on helping brands tell their stories. I left magazines. I was consulting. I was helping brands tell their stories, recognizing that every brand has a story to tell. You have to be really authentic. How do you tell those personal stories? And I thought in order to do this effectively, I need to be better myself at channeling other people's stories. So this amazing story exchange allows you to go into a, into a room. You tell me a story. I write it down. I pay a lot of attention. I write it down. Then I tell you a story and you write it down and you pay a lot of attention. And then we switch and you tell my story using the word I, using your voice, but my words to a group of people. And I'll tell you something, telling somebody else's story that way is the closest thing I think you can get to truly inhabiting another person's body. 
you know, it's, it's better than sex. It's well, maybe not better, but it's, you know, you, it is, it is really an amazing experience. And to hear somebody else telling your story has an equal, equally amazing effect. And so that's the kind of thing I've always been interested in. It's like the, the ability, the intimacy of telling a story, the intimacy of channeling another person, the intimacy of explaining what somebody's life and life challenges are like has always been the point, right? And it's like, no matter where, no matter where I am, that's the, that's the stuff that is exciting. So on the settling smarter way of living, you can get more intimate with others, which may be better than sex, maybe, maybe not, by taking on their point of view. So let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Paul, our brilliant producer, is going to give some beautiful music that he's composed for our listeners. And we're going to actually ask them to pause this podcast or listen to the music and quick write down a story, right? And then they're going to grab somebody else if they're listening at work or at home or they're, I don't know, they're out on a distanced run, whatever's happening. If they can get somebody else involved, they might have to pause this and come back switch and give the person their story and have them tell it with eye is that what you're saying that's exactly what you do about the about the training and if you're interested in learning more about it there's something called narrative four with the number four and it was started by a poet and they do it with school kids in very very different places so you know israel and palestine or kentucky and the bronx and they have these story exchanges among young people and they really use it as a way for people to inhabit another point of view that you would never come across um and so so becoming becoming a, a, a facilitator like this was was for me it felt kind of familiar but the tech the specific technique is worth checking out because everybody who's doing the story exchange has so much respect for the other person's story and that's part of the magic is that you are trying hard to get the other person's story right and that's very close to being a journalist that's what journalists are trying to do they're trying to get your story right they make mistakes, but you know, you, they, they're trying. Um, so it's a powerful, a powerful human, um, exchange. So when it comes to this powerful human exchange and point of view, and we'll put it in the show notes, narrative four, the number four, right? Correct. Let's, let's go a little further with this so that we can practice the ways of really being ourselves, especially inside of 2020, getting punched in the face multiple times, multiple ways. And for someone like yourself that's had many different 
careers in addition to hats inside those careers. We say in the recruiting talent world, people change jobs now every three to five years and they change careers three times in a lifetime. Tell us your story. How many careers have you had, Peggy? Well, I guess this would be three. I'm on number three um, because I did start out in newspapers and newspapers, magazines, being an editor, being a writer is all kind of the same profession, right? You, and that really builds on it on itself. Um, then I became an entrepreneur and I learned many, many, many things the really hard way, <laughs> but it was so good. It was so such a useful learning experience. And that was that was SheBooks. That was um, uh, short eBooks by and for women, where we were telling, trying to give women a platform to tell their stories in in in, uh, in a new format. Um, so I became an entrepreneur. Then I became a consultant, where I was similarly doing that. And then I took over Watermark, which is a nonprofit, all based on women's leadership. And again, I mean, there is a through line there. Obviously, what do I care about? It's like I've been in women's media. I went from regular old newspapers to magazines to women's media, and it's all been about women's stories, and even Watermark is about that. It's in a different format. We're, now we do live events. We do podcasts. We do um, leadership training. Um, so there is definitely that through line there. But this, I would call this nonprofit management is definitely another career. And for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with Watermark, is it exclusively for women? Men do come, but we focus on women. So we will have um, programs, for example, where we talk about men as in relation to women, men as allies for women, but it's really about women. Great. So for our male listeners, you can learn a lot. And for our female listeners, check out Watermark. And again, we'll put all of this in the show notes. There's a lot coming, I know, for 2021. So tell us about becoming and being your best self, even in a year like this. What have you noticed that others might learn from? What served you this year? What has been really interesting is despite the fact that I'm cranky a good deal of the time, as so many people that I know are, <laughs> I'm cranky about having to stay home. I'm cranky about not being able to travel. I'm cranky about not seeing my children. I'm cranky about not seeing my parents. All of those. And I love to travel. I love to go to different countries. Again, you know, just get out of my own head and get into somebody else's. That's right. You know, clearly that's what I like to do. Um, but I have found the focus to be uh, a kind of, you know, it's like I get to be intimate with myself in a way that I haven't been. And that has been good. I have learned a lot. I've learned a lot about myself. I feel like I'm in this very, very intense period of personal growth that I did not expect. Um, partly it's through what I'm learning from my fabulous coach. Uh, partly it's what I am learning through just the programs that I'm that we're I'm participating in. We had a program today with a bunch of young people just starting out their careers. Um, a young Muslim woman, a young black man, uh, two young black women, three young black women, all talking about their experiences of being interns and. Um, being invited to be part of their diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations at work. And what I was struck by is how incredibly passionate and 
and how much they had to give to the world and how much they, how much learning they were doing. Um, and I just found it tremendously inspirational. It's like, that's the great gift of this year is what I, I mean, I, I was thinking about, <laughs> I guess it was because um, when Dr. Jill Biden got called kiddo, I thought that we should all go get a PhD just to prove, <laughs> just to show them, right? <laughs> but this, this period of learning is making me hungry to do more of that. I was like, just feed your head with something new. I'm reading nonfiction. I'm reading fiction about, I'm not, I'm reading nonfiction about, about um, Zen and energy particle physics. And I'm reading nonfiction about how mushrooms are saving the forest and how that could help us help, help save the world. It's like, you know, I would not have had time to do that before. There's a quote I'm going to share, and we're going to get to one of your quotes at the end. We're going to do a bookend show today with an opening and a closing quote, just to rev up the end of the year, since we saved you for last. And this quote is that uh, the founder of Ancestry.com said in front of a lot of us in an audience, he was speaking and I was speaking after him. And he said, I don't know everything about anything. In fact, nobody does. And so I love your story exchange idea. So I would say, I don't know everything about anything. No, it's great. It's actually great. I mean, I look forward. I mean, the other thing I think this has made, this whole period has made me focus on is I have so much time. I have so much time left. You know, I'm okay. I think of this as my third career. I'm at the so-called end of my career. Most people said you're supposed to retire now. And I was kind of working half time and that felt pretty good. But, you know, there's a lot to be said for being all in on your life and continuing to learn. And Shelly Archambault, who we I interviewed a few weeks ago, talked about this too. I asked her, is there another mountain that you want to climb? Here's a woman who's like run three tech companies and as a CEO, and she's on like five boards. And what she said was, I want to work on criminal justice reform. And I thought, awesome. And she said, I still have so much time left because she's in her, I guess she's in her mid sixties, probably early sixties. I don't know how old she is, but I thought that's such an interesting way to think about your life. It's like, and now what I'm going to do next. And here's what I'm going to learn. And here's the next thing. And, you know, I could get a PhD. <laughs> Listeners, let's not hold her accountable for that. She hasn't made up her mind yet. It's not a clear decision tree, but That's she true. did think out loud in front of us. And so if I were to take on your story in exchange with you and I were to say I could get a PhD, I would like you actually to talk me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> We can promise each other. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have listeners to hold us accountable to that. All right. So we've covered a lot of amazing ground here. We've talked a lot about your best self, your through line. You love those words of through line. And it elicits such a picture for our listeners about the through line. What's the through line of your life? So Peggy, to you, what is this through line that's your constant maybe North Star, regardless of role that you have in these career contexts? Yeah, I mean, it really is that through line is almost always about telling stories and enabling other people to have stories, their stories heard. 
So, you know, it's, 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 and I think it really started from, I grew up in a newspaper family. So it felt like that was the water we all swam in and it was a community newspaper. So it was your neighbors and your friends and the people you saw at the grocery store. And my very first venture when I was a little kid was I started a community newspaper that I ran. I bossed my brother and sisters around. They are still complaining, but <laughs> that was, it was about that connection. It was about that connection with the community and using story and words to do that. And, you know, I mean, I'm a lover of words and theater. I love going to the theater. You know, those kinds of, of, of experiences are for me the through line. And the more you can get of that, the happier I am. And the happier you are, the more you are yourself. Is that a bridge too far? Uh, no, I don't think that. I, I do think that um, you know, you and I've talked about this before. It's like, what are the, what are the things that bring you joy? And that through line is very much about, you know, what are the stories that I'm going to, what are the stories that I'm going to hear? What are the stories that I'm going to tell? I'm more interested in, I'm interested in, in surfacing the new stories um, than I am about telling the same old story over and over again, right? And um, that's, the, that's the great gift of a career like this is that I get to, ex- I get to, I get to explore all these little nooks and crannies. And, and as we're looking through nooks and crannies, when we get to our family facet, they don't always appreciate the investi- investigative reporter, do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it helps to have a family where we all grew up that way. So everybody in the family understands. It's like, oh, man, this is like we call my father and uh, my father radio JLSN or his initials. And it's like, tell my dad a story and tell him to keep it a secret. And it's like, forget about it. It's like he's told everyone because he loves the stories, too. <laughs> We come Everyone's back. on the record in the house of Peggy. <laughs> and your entrepreneurialism you just shared when you started the business with your brothers and sisters and that yeah. whole thing, right? There was your entrepreneurial through line. So we're really learning through listening to your story, something about you. And in fact, we encourage listeners in terms of settling smarter to really explore their own story. So let me play a quick round of fact versus fiction with you before we get to your powerful ending close. Okay. Okay. Uh, Fact versus fiction. And this is to you, whatever you think, however you feel, just see it, think it, feel it, sense it, say it, put it on the table, display it. Here we go. Fact or fiction. You get to know yourself and your own story through others or on your own is easier through others. In fact, I always say, I don't have a good idea unless there's somebody else in the room. That's where my best ideas come. Let's play on that with fact versus fiction. If others witness your story, you will learn more about yourself. Fact or fiction? Fact. And if others need clarity on your story... It's on you to explain it, fact or fiction. Fact. And if it's uncomfortable when others need clarity on your story, they should ask it anyway, fact or fiction. Fact. This is a good speed round. And when you feel unclear on someone else's story, ask them anyway, fact or fiction. Fact. 
Okay. Tell our listeners how to do that. You're so masterful with that. Well, it's really the, you know, the, the journalist rule is the who, what, when, where, why, and the, what you, you keeping people talking is often about that and tell me more and how did you, and, and why, and tell me more about that. And, and paying attention. It's also the quality of paying attention. The best journalists, and you'll see this in television interviews, you'll see it in radio, hear it in radio interviews, the best journalists bring a quality of attention that is something awesome to be on the other end of. It can also be seductive in a way that people can often feel violated by that. So it takes a lot of care and respect um, in holding somebody else's story, right? Um, so, uh, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that journalists talk about talk about confidentiality in the way that they do. I mean, that's so much a part of what you are trained to do. It's like, hold that story in some kind of, um, in, in a very, very respectful way. Is it too far to say it's sacred? Because I guess it's not always sacred, is it? No, it's not always sacred. Um, but, um, you know, there's, a, there's, there's that tension. I mean, I haven't worked in this way in quite a long time, but there is always that tension between there's the audience that is sacred. You're telling, the, you're telling a story for a reason. You're telling a story for an audience. But we've all seen what happens when the story is violated. You, when somebody takes you into their trust, you tell them a story, you think it's confidential, you think that they will treat it with respect, and suddenly the neighborhood knows. I mean, look at, that's the story of social media, right? It's like the, the and, but it's also the story of that, that, that moderating that, mediating that line is something that the best storytellers are constantly interrogating for themselves, Right. Yeah, that's so impressive because they're also really having to always sort of refine, I guess, right? Yes, yes, yes. And it's refining your responsibility, right? And always asking yourself, what am I responsible for here? It does make you really think about your role in the world. You know, it's a good, it's such good training. It's such good training. I encourage everyone <laughs> to take responsibility for somebody else's story in that way. It really teaches you so, so much. I already know this is the soundbite Paul, our producer is going to pick up and use when we promote your segment on our show. So what is your final quote? I can't wait for you to share it. My final quote I was an anthropology major in school, and so maybe this really imprinted itself on me. But Margaret Mead said, never forget that a small group of dedicated people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And I just love that quote. So what do you look forward to in 2021? I look forward to hugging all of my friends. <laughs> First of all, friends and family um, look forward to travel. And I also look forward to, I mean, there's some things that have come out of this year that I really value, you know, that um, as we were saying, the quality of attention, I think that quality of attention that we're paying to one another is something that should survive. And 
we've talked, you and I've talked about this and I've talked about this with some other people. It's like, okay, we're all on Zoom now. What does Zoom make you do? It makes you lean in to hear somebody else's story, be graceful in the exchange. Sometimes you have awkward silences. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because if you don't have, if you don't have the silences, you don't, you're not actually listening. So that has been something that I've really learned this, this whole year and, and, and has been very important for me. And in another show, we practice the power of pause. Peggy is aware of this tool in the coaching toolkit. And the 30 seconds makes a big difference when you're trying to fix something, figure it out. Maybe you're trying to get to know someone and their story. It's okay to step back and to wait and to explain, I'm listening, really listening. I'm not just hearing, I'm listening. You taught me that. And that was, that is really one of the great lessons of this year for me. It's like that 30 seconds, which seems so damn long. <laughs> when you like to talk and when you're trying to fill in the, fill up the space and you want to exchange and you're, you know, like really riffing with somebody. But those 30 seconds are such a valuable place to hang out. Well, I really look forward to more with you in 2021 and hearing more about how your story unfolds. We'd love to have you back on the show. I would love to come back. Clearly, we have lots to talk about. We do. And next time, as a teaser, we'll take each other's point of view. I love that idea. Thank you very much. Happiest and healthiest of year ends and New Year's to you, your family, and your entire community in the Watermark world and beyond. Thank you so much, Dana. Well, as Dana would say, that's a wrap. The show was produced by New Dog Media in association with Phoenix Fifth, who are solely responsible for the content. Check out the show notes for links to our guest and all of Dana Look Arimoto's work and writing. Our theme music is by Paul Godwin, with additional music this week from Dogon, available at NewDogRecords.com. For Dana Look Arimoto and the entire Settle Smarter team, this is Paul Godwin wishing you a safe and healthy holiday season. See you next year.